You're listening to Transparency Talk with Trustwell, a podcast discussing the latest trends in technology in the food and supplement industries, featuring conversations with regulatory experts, quality and safety champions, and thought leaders across the industry. The podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Welcome to today's episode of Transparency Talk with Trustwell. My name is Katie Jones, and I'm the Chief Customer Officer at Trustwell. Today on the podcast, we're going to discuss the topic of interconnected technology in the food industry, also known as the Internet of Things, or IoT. Major tech investments and advancements across the industry have resulted in impressive innovations for how food companies craft package, ship, and track their food across the global supply chain. And IoT has provided an impressive leap in capabilities for companies to be able to better control quality and ensure brand consistency as their products travel across the supply chain. IoT can include devices such as wireless thermometers, data loggers, or threshold alerts on refrigerated trucks. Uh, There's a ton of application here. While the innovation is impressive, it can also be challenging to explore the world of possibilities with IoT without the help of expert guidance and good data. And here on the podcast to help us dive into this issue more is Eric Moore. Eric is the Director of Food Safety and Industry Relations at Testo North America, founded in 1957 in Germany's Black Forest region. Testo has been a global leader in portable test and measurement solutions for over 60 years. Testo is known for its top quality instrumentation, including combustion efficiency and air emission analyzers. They serve a variety of different markets, such as chemical, food production, pharmaceuticals, and residential HVAC. Uh, But Eric here uh, has been in the industry, specifically the food industry, for over 20 years, serving as a proactive leader and managing food safety programs for industry-leading food service and retail organizations. His role at Testo focuses on providing leadership and guidance to brands on how IoT technologies can and benefit their global food safety efforts. Welcome to the podcast, Eric. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, mm-hmm. Katie. And uh, you know, thank you for uh, for the invitation. Um, this is, I guess, my first official uh, podcast uh, All right. recording <laughs> as it, like as an interviewee. I okay, have anecdotally yes. uh, been the subject of a podcast in the past, and I was an audience participator uh, on another podcast at, at one point in time. But um, I do appreciate the uh, the invite, and hopefully, I can share with your audience some um, some useful information um, that I've been able to sort of find out for myself over the last mm-hmm. uh, last couple of years since I. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get uh, to get pulled into this role. Yeah, well, I promise it'll be fun. (laughs) (laughs) And I promise knowing you, it'll be informative for our audience. So um, it's a there's a huge, uh, you know, expansion uh, just when you say just IOT. Right. So, I mean, it's such this broad category now. being it being such an expansive world that we're going to about to jump into, I think it would be helpful for our listeners for you to just help us understand, you know, overview of IoT, the impact that it's had on the the food sector, and then building on that, what specific advancements in IoT have really you know changed the face of the global food supply chain. Sure. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot there's a lot going on there. Um, so. I, you know, I would say to to start off, right, like 
what what's what is IoT, right? And because mm-hmm. I think the just that whole concept and term is is thrown around a lot. And in the context of this conversation, um, I would say we should we can focus on various different monitoring parameters and then the, the devices that monitor those those actual things. So whether it's temperature, humidity, um, shock, um, GPS locations, you know, all kinds of things. All of those, you know, over the last 10 to 15 years, right, I would say the business community has identified the value in creating a way for those different measurement points to talk to business tools, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, digital business tools, right? And, you know, if we think of, um, we think of how uh, data is um, acquired and then used, especially in the food sector, as we look at the global food supply chain, there is a lot of value in being able to identify where product is, what, you know, when it's there, how long it's there. And all these different parameters that go into, you know, taking something from the ground, having it, you know, some type of processing going on, and then it gets shipped to the other side of the world and then goes through additional like delivery parts. The organizations that are participating in that kind of supply chain have a vested interest in understanding where things are and and knowing if they're going to be late or mm-hmm. there or anything of that nature so these these different sensors need a way to communicate the information that they're that they're storing or acquiring and then storing and that can be handled in different ways right like there are there are systems and tools and devices that do it in real time uh, there are other, uh, you know, other systems and tools that require some sort of uh, like geofence area uh, that once they 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 travel into this this space, um, it's kind of if you think of like going through a screen door, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the second I, I pass through that screen door, all the data that I that all the data that I was recording gets gets transmitted or pushed mm-hmm. into the system that that was searching for my this sensor as it entered that that screen. Um, and you know, this is expanded just beyond just the supply chain of trying to track a container, a crate, a ship. Um, you know, of like some vessel that's fishing, mm-hmm. you know, that fishing, this has been going on in the fishing industry for, for years and years. Um, but it, it, it has transitioned or trickled down into even the like grocery store and retail food service uh, locations where different uh, different pieces of equipment are now 
communicating specific operating metrics back into a company's um, like business tools, like their, mm-hmm. the, how they manage, like how their business operates and everything. And they're able to capture, you know, key pieces of information. Um, it's a, it gets really big, right? Like the, the subject is, is, is super huge. Um, and when you start to, when you start to take it apart, um, it really depends on where you want to focus on what the different tools like may, might look like, Hmm. how they actually communicate and what kind of parameters they're, they're, they're looking to provide data around. Um, so it's hard, like the, the, there's, there's a big, there's a big ocean, right? Mm, mm-hmm. And there's, there's lots of fish in the ocean. Um, you know, it's, it's a question of what fish do you want to, do you want to try and catch today? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so, it, you know, I don't know if that's a good explanation of kind of like the market or anything. Um, however, you know, I think that as we, try to understand uh the advancements that are going on it's 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 a good way to to sort of set up that you know up until uh, three to five years ago everything i shouldn't say everything a lot of the iot device connectivity was always done or traditionally done through some type of Wi-Fi communication protocol, mm-hmm. right? Or, like I mentioned before, through these these um, these geofenced areas where there is some sort of like security or like communication infrastructure um, that when a product it could be something like a box or or a piece of equipment or a truck passes through this area it it connects onto the like some sort of of network and information is transferred well all of those things right like there's a lot of like people that like to do really uh, you know like unsavory things hackers and and, mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. like that all of those advancements that led to oh well now we're, we've got all of all of these devices communicating on this wireless network or even on a land network what's the security risk around right. all these things yeah and um i can't speak for for other organizations but um when two years ago when when our company started trying to work through how can we better protect our customers it infrastructure needs with and at the same time improve how some of our our devices with that are targeted to the food industry are able to communicate you know we identified that Pardon me. Um, you know, using radio waves as opposed to using Wi-Fi signals was it was a, a better, more se- more secure way to go. It's also like, and this is kind of a parallel plus, is that 
Um, it's also a little bit more environmentally friendly uh, because a lot of the, uh, or our devices, I should say, um, we went from using um, four AAA batteries to like run some of our stationary data loggers to a single um, uh, lithium ion battery that uh, has the life, the expected lifespan uh, between eight and 10 years. Um, you know, so being able to, to, to look at, okay, how, how are, are we communicating our data within our system on a customer's network? How can we do that better and more efficiently? And that's where we, we, that's what we landed on. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think we're unique in in that aspect. I know there are other communication platforms that are in place that that somewhat that try to address all of those things um, as well. And you know what? Like at the rate of technology change, like there could be actually something you know even better in two years. Yeah. Um, but that's where we've landed right right now. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Well, I, yes, I think obviously, certainly um, uh, you did see this kind of boom. Uh, and then to your point, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of the immediate threat uh, yeah. from, a, you know, from a security and cybersecurity standpoint, when we think about how, you know, this influx of IoT can help enhance, you know, quality and risk management, which is really, you know, core to, you know our serve our offerings here at Trustwell, uh, whether it's you know food safety, product quality overall. Um, let's drill down a little bit and talk about some specific applications in that uh, kind of quality assurance and and risk management, specifically to the food industry. Sure, uh, you're all about the the big the big questions. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I think one of the um, one of the really great things that systems that I define them as uh, digital food safety management systems, um, right? And they are, they're not task management systems, right? Like uh, that are, you know, basic platforms where it's literally just like box checking, right? Uh, you know, it's to-do lists um, and things of that nature where the systems that are available today are a lot more robust, right? And they are creating a level of visibility for organizations that are or have adopted them in a way that is not it has never been possible uh unless you know you're at a, a location where you're able to hire a designated food safety professional in every single establishment that you run mm -hmm. which is unrealistic right it, that's that just doesn't it's not feasible um these platforms these systems I, I really look at it as that's what they establish, 
right? You are, the organization is able to structure their risk program around what do we want to understand? How do we want to measure it? When do we need to be made aware of a something falling outside of acceptable limits or parameters? And then how are we going to guide that that exception back into the right the right lane or the right path? Mm-hmm. Um, so the the systems need to be able to provide you know direction input all while gathering gathering information and deliver actionable insights after the fact right so that you could maybe plan prepare revise plan you know plan it's called plan do check act right it's a mm-hmm. it's a um it's a basic risk management um methodology methodology or principle of how how are we going to identify what we need to try to to uh, plan for and then let's let's go out and do it and then we'll identify what what didn't work we'll revise the plan and we'll do it again mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and these systems are enabling that to happen in close to to almost real time uh you know in as close to real time as is well as a customer would want because they can get a little overwhelming at times. <laughs> so let's talk about temperature control. Um, I remember early on when I started uh, in this industry, I remember um, hearing just this general overview, which was like, are the cold things cold? the hot things hot and that's an oversimplification and obviously there's a lot that goes into that in terms of proper cooling as well um but a really critical element to food safety um and obviously specifically compliance within proper uh temperature control within food safety regulations so can you talk a little bit more about how testo's technology assists companies in you know maybe identifying what those thresholds are and then how how can you monitor that um, to make sure that you're ensuring product quality, safety, regulations, um, and and all in the in the name of food safety, obviously. Yeah, well, I'm I'm glad you brought up product quality because that's that's mm-hmm. a huge that's a huge part of this. That's a that's a, a big part of the discussion as well, right? Right. Um, I was actually you know like three hours ago we were. Uh, the team here and I were were talking about um, food waste, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they were trying to to conceptualize or understand uh, how what does food waste have to do at all mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. with monitoring stationary temperatures, right? And the way I explained it was, well, when you can properly maintain refrigerated or or hot holding cabinets when you can properly you have to identify what the proper holding temperature or threshold is first right right um, but then once you have that established you can set parameters high and low parameters 
around those those limits or high and low limits around the parameters that you've defined. Mm -hmm. um, and you can have uh, you can have product issues or like product quality related issues if you go way above that threshold or way below it, right? Um, and a real quick give like two examples that I think really made the light go off for um, for my my team uh, this morning, which was in in the cold food scenario. If you think about leafy greens, right? They are like ninety five percent water, right? Mm -hmm. And if uh, if you set a uh, a produce refrigerator too cold, right? right. That is going to make the water inside of that product expand. And then if the product, if the, the temperature comes down, right, it's going to shrink, which creates wilt, right? So it's a, it's a, it's an adverse, unnecessary, unnecessary product loss, right? Mm. Yeah. Due to improper temperature control, right? Right. The same, you can apply the same thing on the hot side where you know, this happens quite often in, especially in um, uh, like uh, fast food restaurants mm -hmm. uh, or in managed food service operations. Employees will just turn a hot cabinet up as high as they can, right? Right. All, out of good reason, right? They want to make sure the food is being maintained hot enough so it's safe, right? Right. However, that then can lead to product like drying out and becoming essentially like inedible because right. you've sucked like all of the moisture out of it and it's mm -hmm. like a little rock, right? <laughs> so, in, so in both of these cases, you end up having to throw product away, which is waste, which is a bad thing. Now, the uh, this is something that actually, you know, within our organization in um, our product management teams and our R&D groups, this is a constant evolution and conversation that we have that we we have and what the coolest thing that 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 we've done and when i first started i thought it was the neatest thing ever we had um we have, so we have a whole array of stationary temperature monitoring devices data loggers right uh those data loggers have evolved over time um just like i i mentioned before uh we we transitioned from using wi-fi uh into a radio-based network communication protocol uh, and when we did that we launched a whole new array of these these iot enabled um data loggers and uh the 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 coolest one that we have actually is capable of simulating internal product temperatures, right? And the importance of that specifically ties both into regulatory compliance, energy efficiency, right? Mm -hmm. And product quality. Right. So uh, regulatory compliance, right? In the United States, uh, what is the way the FDA food code, uh, the model food code, uh, which all states then have to um, either be in alignment with or have more strict uh, requirements mm -hmm. in a, over simplification of that. Uh, <laughs> but the, the product, the internal product temperature is what 
is what has to be measured. It's not the air temperature per se in which the that food is being stored, right? Oh. Now, you can actually make a lot of assumptions like product, you know, ambient temperature in a hot area or a cold area, you say it's got to be like 5 to 7 degrees hot above or below for the for the product temperature to be to be within a safe a safe range. Um, however, Air temperature, and this is, I mean, stating the obvious, air temperature fluctuates a lot faster than a product temperature due to the mass and the density of any product, right? It doesn't, it, regardless of how small or, or anything. Um, so what we have done is create this algorithm that runs after we go through a pretty extensive testing process with a customer in, you know, using their equipment, using their products to get to capture actual internal product temperature. And we overlay that with actual ambient temperature within that that piece of equipment and for mm -hmm. that product. We we go through all of this data with the customer to make sure that that they understand what's happening. And then we sort of we we take the data in normally these 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 uh these tests run like five to ten days so it's like one to two business weeks it depends on the on the company um we'll dump all of the data that we captured in that time period into a program and it creates what what we call a our temperature offs it's a temperature offset that enables us to ha use one device to put inside of a refrigerator that is that is storing you know um perishable food and um we can say this is the simulated internal temperature of that and we can map all of this out uh and show okay well the air temperature in that cooler from one o'clock or let's say from 11 45 a.m to 1 25 p.m was at 45 degrees which for that duration of time could be cause for alarm um, but since we have this simulated product temperature that is available at this uh, for the same specific time period and for the same the, the same refrigeration unit we know we're able to identify that the internal, the simulated internal product temperature didn't didn't get above, you know, forty point six degrees, which is mm -hmm. still within, you know, the the safe holding parameters that are set forth, um, you know, by by the FDA and various other other regulatory agencies. Yeah. Um, so we're we're able to provide better insightful data right for the operators so they can make better decisions because when that product simulator temperature goes way below or way above or above where the thresholds that they've established their their high and low um, limit thresholds then the system says hey something's going on here right through an alarm or an alert alert process and then the, the 
they know I have to act now, right? Is it is opposed to uh, like the seven or eight times that if you're if you're relying on ambient air temperature, that seven or eight times during the day you very well could get some kind of alarm saying, hey, the cooler's at 48 degrees and it's been at that temperature for for 25 minutes. Well, okay, but so now I need to stop what I'm doing and go investigate what's going on and nothing inside of the storage unit is, it, everything's fine, mm-hmm. right? Just maybe somebody didn't close the door the whole way or or whatever. So, um, so, I say I say all of that because the that enables our customers to take a more of a risk-based approach to how they want to manage their stored temperature program, right? Um, so depending on what kind of like company it is or or what kind of establishment it is, um, you, I kind of always uh, always recommend, hey, take your the the highest risk product that you have, and we'll we'll help you map that out, right? To to get this this simulated product temperature, and then that becomes the the, the bar, right? Like that is that is what we we focus on, and um, we're actually already planning that uh, in the next update of the device will be able to run four different product simulations at once right now we can only do one but it it, it's just software advancements right (laughs) so but it really really neat stuff and and it it creates the the opportunity to have higher level conversations about the risks you accompany is and isn't willing to take as it relates to hot and cold right sure. um uh temperature storage parameters yeah uh, and it's taking you know it's taking a lot of the responsibility out of a human's a person you know it's taking that that responsibility out of a person's role and responsibilities and it's allowing them to to focus more on whether it's their customers or the the production line or or what have you yeah. you know it's you're allowing you're enabling them to get back to to doing what their core job and role and responsibilities are rather than paperwork yeah <laughs> i um lots of innovation there it sounds like yeah. i mean clearly we've seen a lot uh in the last you know even just five years what uh what excites you about what's next? What do you What are you excited about when you look out over the next, say, five or ten years? And uh, what's next from a technology standpoint in this area? Yeah, well, I, you know, I absolutely just in general, robotics are just mm. everywhere, yeah. right? Yeah, that is just becoming more and more. I, you know, you go to any trade show um, or you know any kind of webinar, right? That that um, you know, large uh, food manufacturing companies are are taking part in. Robotics are absolutely taking um, a the center stage in a lot of um, in a lot of areas where human interaction, right, human engagement isn't really necessary, right? Like cooking French fries, that's the worst job ever, 
because you're all you're doing it's just hot right <laughs> that's all it is it's just hot all the time right or flipping hamburgers right it's just it's super hot and it's uncomfortable and it can create you know opportunities for you know health co- you know health department issues and blah 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 so the like the way that organizations like uh, fast food chains uh, and and retailers and in in a lot of aspects the food manufacturers uh which have already been incorporating a lot of robotics into their manufacturing facilities right. anyways the way that that is continuing to expand it it's it's going to continue to grow and the the one thing you know people it, you kind of get individuals that are like they're they're on one side of of this coin of robotics are great or robotics are evil and they're going to take over and right it's like the terminator (laughs) right it turns into reality right yeah but you know and you know i think you know former commissioner frank Giannis used to used to be very clear in communicating this that those are tools they they aren't replacements for human interventions in actions they are just tools software is the same way right like it it is a tool to help acquire data and measure and and report and but it still requires human interaction right because mm-hmm. the the tool is going to tell you when something's wrong and then that there needs to be action oriented when there is some sort of some sort of problem identified right um so you know robotics definitely um you know exciting and uh growing exponentially i think there uh, there is also a a tremendous amount of of research and work going into new and and i guess novel ways of i of testing for environmental pathogens mm-hmm. where the time to pull take a sample and run a test is decreasing drastically and the 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 individuals involved in actually executing that process is becoming less technical or it's requiring less of a highly skilled technician uh to to execute those things due to right the the advancements in uh pathogen detection technology and the just the software systems that are able to to decrease or to make things easier to use and and um and and do so there's a lot there's a lot going on there and uh i think just general product improvements are happening so much faster now um it's just it's it's a pretty mind-boggling you know (laughs) time to be uh time to be involved in this industry so yeah yeah Eric, this has been so incredibly insightful. Um, obviously, way more complex than just keeping the hot things hot and the cold things cold. But uh, <laughs> uh, but all, as I mentioned, in the name of 
you know, great food safety, great food quality to help our customers um, deliver on their promise to their their customers. So I uh, really appreciate the time and the insights. And thank you so much for for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Katie. It was uh, it was great to be here. Hopefully, uh, hopefully some of this is useful to 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 the audience. And uh, um, let me know if I can ever be of help. Awesome. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in to Transparency Talk with Trustwell, where we explore the critical role of transparency in building trust and driving positive change in today's food chain. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Transparency Talk with Trustwell. To learn more about Trustwell and its technology platform that connects product formulation, nutrition analysis, and compliant labeling with traceability, recall readiness, and supply chain transparency, please visit www.trustwell.com.